welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you joined the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us wondering, get us hoping, get us talking, get us connected, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we made that connection. So we're going to kick this off with a two-part series on the work of the Diversity Institute. I have my colleague and friend and co-host, Melissa Adams, who is the Executive Director of the Diversity Institute, joining us for both shows today. And the Diversity Institute is sponsoring this show. So thank you for um, sponsorship and and all of your, your great insights that you bring to every show that you're on, Melissa. Thank you, Lori. I'm so excited to be here with you. And, you know, uh, Connections Radio is, is a show that many of the more progressive people in our community listen to. So this is a great place to start this conversation. You know, I was looking back at one of the shows that we did, um, and it was right after George Floyd. Yeah. And 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 we all were that morning kind of stunned um, and, and shaken by what had happened. And and. And how do we talk to uh, our families and, 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 and how do we look at what's happened um, in a way that, that can create healing and moving forward? It was a very powerful show and um, it, it, it was one that I think was very meaningful for us to discuss how important diversity and inclusion and looking at what needs to be done in, in an institute like yours to help bring about change, um, bring about community. But thank you for saying that. I also um, felt very uh, comforted that weekend having that conversation with you. And um, I think we even talked a little bit about Juneteenth during yep. that time. Yep, yep, we sure and did. We both, wa- I feel like, I'm, I can't speak for you, but I feel like I walked away from that conversation with hope. Yes. You know. Yep. So and it, it's a good call. <laughs> and it's about it's so much grounded in how you've created the institute in terms of creating dialogue and understanding and and how where do we go from here? It's future based. It's you know when things happen such as the George Floyd which was just horrible and looking back at the Juneteenth you know the celebration, but those those wonderful people in Texas waited a year before they even knew that they could be free. Um, there are issues in the past, but we take what's in the past and and have real talk, straight talk conversation about what we need to look at in the future. And your your pillars in looking at educational equity, health equity, wealth equity, civic equity, and changing the racial narrative are really the heartbeat. Uh, of of what you do from from all of the work that I've seen you do so far, M- Melissa, are you there? Sorry, oh, there I you was, go. Uh, there you go. I was mute for a second. There, there you go. Um, uh, a Zoom uh, occupational hazard. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all learning to use that mute, mute button, aren't we? <laughs> yes. But yeah, you're right. You know, um, and and as a matter of fact, Lori, you know, the reason why we decided to use those pillars was because the Diversity Institute um, really is looking at the systemic issues that are causing these disparities in our communities and in our society. Mm -hmm. And 
it's a holistic approach. It's a systemic approach. So it's better to look at the whole versus pointing fingers at the parts, if right. that makes sense. Right. Well, it's very mission-driven, um, yeah. you know, looking at bringing leaders together to, you know, no less transform the world. <laughs> Which right. I, I just love, um, and partnering with leaders, looking at public leaders, private leaders, nonprofit, educational institutions. Um, we're all facing challenges together, and and you create a platform um, to do that. Now you're a public benefit corporation, right? Yes, Stanton Adams Consulting created uh, the Diversity Institute in January of 2020, in January of this year so that we could tackle some of the issues around disparities. And it was pretty apropos because this year COVID happened. This year George Floyd was murdered, and there was a great deal of um, attention paid to the fact that black people are not um, able to navigate the country the same way as other um, races or people are. So it, it really was interesting how, you know, Stanton Adams Consulting, we pride ourselves on being future focused. And uh, we were we were on point when we decided yeah. to start the Diversity Institute. And I think what also is important is that you really look at, you know, what's the quality cultural competency as being a core um, value? And, yeah. And how how to using that that cultural competency or cultural intelligence, um, how does that then, you know, meet the needs of the changing demographics so that, that you're looking at research, you're looking at best practices, you know, you pull yeah. in psychology, sociology and business. It, it's really a cross-functional um, commitment by leadership to, to look at the whole picture. Right. And at the same time, the Diversity Institute is also – um, very aware that we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. We're specializing, Stanton Adams Consulting specializes in diversity strategy. But what we are doing with the Diversity Institute is partnering with other diversity practitioners who may or may not work in different realms. They may work in the same exact realm. Um, but what we are doing this year is looking at creating partnerships and going into 2020, we're talking about creating community. So, um, we're really excited about all of the different organizations that have become a partnership with us. We're working with organizations like um, SciTech. SciTech is a organization that helps to get young people into STEM positions within intern as an internship within organizations. And this is a great opportunity. This organization is really trying to close the disparity or close the gap when it comes to having people who are uh, considered women or people of color or from marginalized communities take part in STEM jobs. In the, you know, this is like groundbreaking stuff. So partnering with them is something that we're really excited about. I'm also really excited uh, to be joining and doing programs with the Diversity Institute. Oh, that. And and Glory, we're going to be right. and we're going to be doing monthly shows here on Connections, 
And Melissa and I have talked about having some topics be ones that we want to open for community dialogue. We want call-ins and we want you to be part of the conversation so that all the audience can feel connected to the Diversity Institute, that you can be a part of it too in terms of being part of the dialogue. And so the first Saturday of every month, um, we will be committing to the Diversity Institute. We'll be talking about – Topics that are important, um, but we're also going to be sharing about programs that are going to be offered. Yes, and that's a great segue into the to the fact that Lori Fitz will be one of our fact, guest faculty on a regular basis. Lori will be be teaching classes with us, and I think it's important for people to know that um, they can actually come to the Diversity Institute online. It's an e learning platform. For individuals, and, you know, we talk about helping diversity practitioners. That's our goal. Mm -hmm. But we also are here for leaders in organizations, executives who want to increase their cultural competency, um, for individuals who who are just interested in learning more about diversity. So you don't necessarily have to be a diversity practitioner to take part in some of the learning and the courses and the um, training opportunities. Absolutely. You just have to be a champion, right? You have to be a diversity champion. Or eager to know. I mean, you and I have talked about how important, you know, cultural intelligence for community connections is. I know that people want to do something. Very often, fear keeps them from doing or saying something. They're afraid they're going to say it wrong. Maybe they won't look authentic. They, they're looking for resources to understand cultural history and learning skills and abilities to engage cross-culturally. People want to feel more comfortable. They want yeah. they want proficiencies. They want to. You know what, Lori? I would I would push back on that though. I would say get uncomfortable. Yes, you're right. You're and right. You can't. You won't be proficient. In right. This. I'm sorry. But you won't. You, but getting comfortable with uncomfortable in the yes. long run allows action because it addresses yes. fear. And when and we're afraid that we're going to be uncomfortable, that's when I think we clam up. But if we're like, okay, I'm going to be uncomfortable, I'm not going to be afraid of it because I'm just going to embrace I'm going to be uncomfortable. Yes, embrace the uncomfortableness. And then the other part to that too is, you know, sometimes we spend more time intellectualizing mm-hmm. diversity than, than we actually do um, taking action and creating an inclusive environment. Right. Right. So it's the checking won't. it off the box. If 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 we've done the training right. and and none of it really you know impacts the environment and people still don't feel like they belong, then it really wasn't a training. It was something else. <laughs> well, it, well you know, that's the thing too, right? And it's about us knowing that training is not the end all be all. Right. I could I can sit in a training and learn stuff. It's about me taking myself outside of that training room now. And putting those tips, tools, and techniques to practice. Yes. Yes. We all have awareness. We all, you know, I can't say we all. Most of us have awareness. We we saw George Floyd's um, murder on our televisions. They, they, They would not stop playing it on social media. And it woke everyone up. Yeah. We became aware. Yeah. But now we have to move past awareness. Because we know something is wrong. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. Well, uh, you hear the music coming up. So (laughs) 
We need to go no to worries. break. Uh, but okay. in our in our next segment, I just want the audience to know that we're we're going to be talking about um, the need for doing competency trainings and certification for practitioners as well through the Institute. And there's a lot going on with that that is really exciting. So, Melissa, thanks for joining me. I want to make sure people know how to get to the Diversity Institute. Um, The website is diversityinstitute.org. Is that right? Yes, it is. All right. Great, great, great. I was looking for it in my grid. Yes. TheDiversityInstitute.org is how you can find more about uh, Melissa and the work that she's doing with the Diversity Institute. So we'll be right back just after a few short commercials. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And Melissa Adams, the executive director of the Diversity Institute, is my co-host today, as well as every first Saturday of the month from January 1st on. We're delighted to be announcing that the Diversity Institute will have uh, a partnership with us and will be uh, co-producing our Diversity Institute Connections show. So welcome, Melissa, and I'm so excited to be able to share that with our audience. Oh, Lori, thank you so much. And we're excited to be sponsoring a show the first Saturday of every month because our Connections Radio and AM 950 is a very important um, station and a very important show. So it's important for us to show as much as we can to support uh, AM 950 and to support Connections Radio. Well, the Diversity Institute is a really a very cool concept. It's a social innovation education company. And you all were founded in 2015, but you really kicked it into gear, like you were saying in the last segment, um, in in 2020, you know, in January, before, you know, what a year, 2020, uh, where all the disparities that can possibly, you know, be showing up, you know, showed up. It was the imperfect storm of... also, 2020, think about the, what 2020 stands for. It stands for a perfect vision. Yeah, yep. And, and, looking, and I think to see and to look forward, don't you think? There's, yeah. there's something yeah. about getting 2020 in, in this year, you know, puts everything in focus. Yes. And I mean, I, I, I am a very uh, universal believer. I believe in the law of attraction, and I believe the universe is right on time and and trying to tell us something. Um, It's sad that it's the year 2020 because uh, the year 1619 Uh, is when when most of this stuff started. Yeah. Unfortunately, when uh, slaves were brought to Virginia and both black and indigenous people were not treated with respect and – you were sharing some ideas about that with me yesterday, and I know we're going to be talking about competencies, but I loved um, your insights on that. Well, I think part of, of what we want to think about is how do we move forward from where we are today? Where where do we want to go? Mm-hmm. But, we have to, but we have to address some of the institutions that did create – um, yeah, a, a different way of looking at individuals. You were mentioning how the church, um, yeah, and, and if if you were not part of the church, you were considered savage, and if you yes. were considered savage, then you could be enslaved. You could be enslaved and treated like an animal. I mean, that yeah. that to me is horrific. 
Um, right. But that created, whether you call it unconscious or direct conscious, you know, bias. I mean, there was clear biases that that right. individuals pre- were not as worthy. In the founding of the country, there were created mechanisms or uh, mechanisms mechanisms put in place to ensure that certain people were able to be successful. And those mechanisms, it's interesting. I I was uh, in a very important and very intense anti-racism training, facilitation training with my mentor. Uh, And this was a 10-week course. We had to read a book which was called uh, The White Racial Frame. And in this book, I learned a lot in this training. I learned to be a better facilitator, but I also learned a a lot about race Mm -hmm. as a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. That's why in the beginning we talked about proficiency. We're never finished learning. There's always more to learn about. So what I learned in this class was that there were three um, institutions, three American institutions that that created and solidified this um, white racial frame that we live in today. And those three institutions were the church, the medical institutions, and the legal institutions. The church, like you said, Lori, they said, if you're not a Christian, you know, Christians cannot be enslaved. That's what the church said. But the church also said, if you're not a Christian, you're a savage. Native Americans, when, when this when the founders came here, they considered Native American people to be savages so that it was okay morally to them to do what they did to the Native Americans. And it was okay morally to them to do what they did to African Americans. In fact, in the Bible, it says it's a, a slave should listen to their master. So then we move over to the next institution. That next institution was a medical institution. Medical doctors back during the times of slavery did horrific, horrific experiments on black bodies. There's a book called um, Medical Apartheid. That is, it's, it's a tough read because of the stuff that they talk about. They talk about medical experiments on people who had no idea they were being experimented on, and most of them were black. So during the times of slavery, they were experimenting on black people, and they were saying, oh, because because a black person has this type of brain size or stature, it means that they're not as smart as a white person, which means that they're docile creatures. They're animals, Mm. sort of like a dog or a cat, and they need to be trained, and they need to be obedient to their masters. Then the legal system came in to play. The legal system created laws that backed these ideas up, that said, oh, yeah, we can enslave these folks because they're not human. In order to be human, you have to have, or in order, you know, to be intelligent, you have to have white skin and be a Christian. At the end of the day, these three institutions solidified a system that we are abiding by today. There's a very interesting writing by Audre Lorde, that says the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Mm. This this legal system that we're living under today um, was created by under a white supremacist culture. So does this legal system really um, have justice in mind for people who are not of the dominant class? 
and how how to learn that in a way that allows us to have aha moments. I mean, yeah. there's still aha moments that I have as you're talking about it. About I know there are black women that essentially were operated on, um, and, and sometimes even um, were uh, uh, no longer able to have babies. They, well, they had yeah. an, they had an operation that was needless, and this is an yeah. art. This is like within the last two three years. Yeah, uh, that that. <laughs> it's like, what? How, how did well, that happen? You know, you know, Lori, you bring up a great point. The internment camps where they're keeping um, undocumented people, young women are turning up pregnant. Yeah. And young women are also being given hysterectomy. Hysterectomy, yes. Just, without their consent. Exactly. And that's like, that's like during now. So it it's not I, – I think it's important right. and we're going to get back to proficiencies, I promise, um, that in this year of 2020, it's not about taking a shame um, and not doing anything. It's being right. ashamed of what happened and saying this can't happen any longer. I the, like that. Boy. The 2020 focus that we can have like our eyes open and go, you can't you can't not see this as we were talking about it. You can't not right. see the disparities. So now it's not a matter of, you know, we we wear sackcloth and ashes for the rest of our life. That's not going to do what, what needs to happen. We have to move beyond that and say this is no longer <laughs> acceptable. Yeah. I, I was struck by a quote that's on your website that many people have just awakened to the reality that black people are navigating this country differently. Some may not have taken DNI seriously and have learned since it is a competitive advantage and a moral obligation, regardless of why. The diversity practitioners that we have interviewed have said that DEI standards and certifications are long overdue. Um, you know, we come from a history where diversity trainings in the past did not always know how to build a better future. You know, right. we can look at the past, we can have our eyes wide open, but it's not enough to just know the past. We need to to say we will be different from this point on. We will look at equality differently. We will look at all people being created equal in a deeper way that shows up in our systems. Yeah. And, you know, Lori, I think you are right. I think there's a lot of room for our country to um, head in the right direction. Yes. There's a lot of for growth. I also believe this is why we need standards yes. and why some sort of certification process for our practitioners. Um, and because many people will not, you know, there are people like you and me who are on a, you know, people are on a spectrum when yeah. it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, race, gender, sexual orientation. All of these things are new and different. And it's all about how much, um, how close people are to that difference and how often are you interacting with that difference? Mm -hmm. And so learning. If, are you on a learning path, a lifelong learning right. path? Right. And at the same time, you know, there is good foundation of research and best practices that we can continually learn from as well. Right. 
Because if you think about it, I've done some uh, work with the uh, Mitchell Hammer organization, the Intercultural Development Inventory. Very important work that can help leaders get from point A to point B if they're working with a consultant to do that work. But um, when we talk about all men are created equal, that to me is a statement of denial. Mm -hmm. We are not all created equal because we are not all treated equal. Well. Right. So if you come into this world not having the respect of being equal, so how how do we move towards having all feel like they belong and are created equal as a – yeah. And I think part of it too is for people to recognize self – have self-awareness. Each of us – you know, this term created equal. The word equal is a misnomer, really, because equal means I go to the store and I, I'm shopping for Christmas presents and I get everybody that I love a pair of black tennis shoes, size nine. Because <laughs> you and love, you love those. <laughs> I love them and they're all equal. Each I treat each one of them equally. That doesn't benefit each and every one of them. Some people are are not a size nine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So equity means I ask each of my friends, hey, what would you like for Christmas? And I and they write it down, they give me the list, and I go out and I get it for them. Right? Yeah. You equity is asking people what they want and providing it for them. So I would rather this country be created on equity versus equality. Wow. I love that because equal can have some conformity that's required. And if you don't fit within that conformity, then um, you don't belong. I am not a man. Yeah. All all men are created equal. So what does that mean about me? Yeah. And then the people who wrote it were white men. Mm -hmm. So they thought at that time, that black men were not men. Mm. So that's, I, I, you know, you see that statement, I, it just gives me um, pause. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the challenge that I have with, with all of this is that we have not had any mandate around diversity, equity, and inclusion since affirmative action. Back in 1965. <laughs> Right. Thank you very much. Yes. Right. Um, so many people are seeing that something needs to be done. Recently, I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal that the uh, SEC is trying to find ways to um, ensure diversity in public organizations by saying if you're on the stock exchange and you're a publicly traded organization, you need to have one female and one person of color, at least one female and one person of color on your board. That that, that did make me smile when I – I still have that article on my desk. <laughs> sort of like there, there is hope. Things are looking like – I mean there, there should be a lot more than that. But at least we're starting to see some, some movement. Yeah. I have to go to commercial. I wish I didn't. But I have to go to commercial. But when we come back – 
we'll we'll continue about why it's so important to have certified diversity practitioners and and the role that diversity institute will play in supporting that so stay with us we'll be right back Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and my co-host, friend, and colleague is Melissa Adams, who is the Executive Director of the Diversity Institute. And we're talking about the Diversity Institute, the cool things that they're doing, how they're going to be part of the Connections Radio Show the first Saturday of the month. So tune in for the Diversity Institute Connections. Um, we're looking forward to a wonderful year ahead in terms of good good conversation and good insights. So welcome, Melissa. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Lori. I really appreciate it, and I love Connections Radio. I, I was uh, speaking with you yesterday, but I love talking to you as well because we have some really interesting conversations, and I'm sure your listeners can tell. <laughs> we talk all the time, so it's very <laughs> yes. easy for us to just talk about these things. And I, I think that that's a great segue into what people can do. Yeah. Yep. What can, you know, we talked about it earlier. People want to do something. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to take action. Yes. What can they do? And, and at the same time, they want to bring people in that can help them with that. Yes. Um, and practitioners can sometimes feel kind of lonely in knowing, you know, who can I talk to about this? And yes. what are other folks doing? And how can I learn from others? And I think the forum that you've created to bring practitioners together, to work together, to learn together um, is, is important. But I also really appreciate the idea of creating standards and what are those yeah. standards on certification. So, so tell, yeah, tell me about the diversity institute role, the, your role you see in certification. Well, what the diversity institute is trying to do is um, create a school. So our goal is to become an accredited school where people can come and get certified for diversity, equity, and inclusion and uh, in diff- at different levels, right, because everyone is in a different place. Leaders might need a different type, you know, executive leaders might need a different type of certification than perhaps a faculty member at a college versus a diversity practitioner at a um, organization. Or even a, a volunteer that wants to work in the community. Yeah. That is something, Lori, that you, as you bring that up, I, I just say that is has become a very important piece. Mm-hmm. Many people understand there's systemic racism in our society. And I mean, many white people understand this and they have money and they want to do something. I know I have a lot of friends who volunteer at homeless shelters. They volunteer at dropping off food to people who are dealing with life-threatening illnesses. Um, people are volunteering to teach young people from marginalized communities a new skill. And what they need is to learn intercultural competency in order to do these things. Right. Right. So they need to have something tangible that they can do. So, I think um, one of the first things that I think is super important is something that you and I are doing, Lori. I'm not, I, I can't even remember how long we've known each other, but I know it's been quite some time. And I was introduced to you by my wife. And you and I have a 
special relationship. We're friends. Mm-hmm. You call me, I call you, mm-hmm. we have Zoom meetings. <laughs> and I believe that by interacting with you and getting to know you on a deeper level, that has built up my intercultural competency for communicating and hanging out with and connecting with people who are different from me. And I believe it does the same for you. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You have so much love, Melissa. You can't help but feel loved up when you're in the room with Melissa. Awesome. <laughs> and, I love that. And, and I, I, love know, that. I know that from other friends of yours feeling the same way. Um, And and you create – why I love having you on Connections is that that's what you're about. You're you're about making those connections and finding ways to get people more connected. Yes, right. We want people to be connected and we want people to have tangible things that they can actually do. And one of them is volunteer in your community Um, and and trying to have – building stronger relationships and something that is important is it takes time yeah yeah right i mean Lori, you and i've known each other now for probably almost five to ten years i was going to say that it was at, at least five but you know after five it all kind of blends together yes. in addition yes. to five I, uh, our, yeah. our relationship grows tighter the longer we know each other yes. the longer we know each other i can say hey Lori, i'm really struggling today mm-hmm. I, i'm dealing with this and my finances are backed up i can talk to yeah. you as a friend and have an authentic relationship with you let you into my life and then you say hey melissa i'm sorry we're gonna call my dog snoring right now <laughs> but don't worry right it does and, it does snore yes <laughs> snore on our call right that's what it's about. It's about building strong relationships with people, getting to know people, individuals on an individual basis, on a deeper level. And, and, and that's something also that I love about the Institute in terms of you. the Institute is open to support the practitioners, to sharpen our saw, to get you know yeah. skill building. It's there to work with leaders, develop competencies, but it's also there for community and and yeah. what can that look like in community um, because yeah. there there's a I think and and I keep hearing more and more a real thirst a real need for resources to understand but right. it, but it also should be within a context of uh, based in in good psychology so it, it needs academics in there too so, so tell right. me tell me why you think it's important for this whole idea of certification so part of it is Lori, when you and i go to get our hair cut or go to get our, our pedicure or manicure the people who do that work they're certified they're licensed in fact long time ago when electricity was first started and invented or created and going into people's homes, electricians would go into people's homes, wire them incorrectly, and the houses would burn down and no one would be held responsible. So they put regulations and standards in place that said if you um, wired a home, you needed to use 15 amps or ohms, right? If you were a person who was doing this work, you needed to be a licensed electrician who worked underneath a licensed journeyman for X number of years. The, the field became regulated. Mm-hmm. And today, you, you can't just 
go into someone's home and start messing around with their wires if you do not have a an electrician's license. It's actually against the law to, to do that work if you're not licensed. We do not have anyone in place that is regulating the people who go into our police departments and train our police officers on cultural competency. There's no regulations for the people who are going into our schools and education systems and teaching our teachers and faculty members intercultural competency. And this is what we know. Research shows cultural competency, increasing your cultural competency and intercultural competency skills will make make employees, volunteers, students, clients, make people feel as if they belong, will add to the innovation of your organization, right? We even see many organizations that understand this. They know that there is something that needs to be done. And the challenge for them is they do not know what to do. Right. And and part of it I see when you're looking at these competencies is just, you know, a clearer definition, because there's yeah. so many different de- different definitions that you know how can we come together with some what does this mean you know how do we define um, even what, like in our segment we were talking about what's the difference between equity and equal, equality I mean right. need to have those kinds of conversations that allow yeah. us to be more precise in in, in right. what we're thinking about and how we're doing the work that we're doing hey let me tell you something there's the um the generally accepted accounting practices. Mm-hmm. So when I say an asset, the IRS <laughs> knows what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, yes, right. And and there are some. I mean, you, you, I know that you love the global diversity and inclusion benchmarks. You know, yes, the, those you know start to get at that. And I know that that's something that you want to have be part of looking at the certification. Yes. So, Lori, you you bring up a great point, and I forgot to mention something super important. Phantom Adams and the Diversity Institute have, have, you know, kind of commissioned or pulled together a team of diversity practitioners. Um, It's a cross-functional team, actually, cross-level and cross-organizational team. They're called the Minnesota Diversity, Equity, and Belonging Community of Practice. And I know it's a long name, so we call them MENDEB, M-N-D-E-B. But the whole purpose of this group is for them to look at the certifications that are out in our community here in Minnesota and abroad, either outside nationally or even globally. Look at all of the certifications that we have. Audit those certifications and see if any of those certifications that are already out there are covering the things that need to be covered in order for us to say that this is the certification that diversity practitioners should take. If we do not find a certification that we believe covers the competencies that diversity practitioners should have, we are going to create a certification program. We are also partnering with the Center for Global Inclusion, which is out in Canada, and they created what they've called the Global Diversity and Inclusion Benchmarks, the GDIB. It's a free assessment. Any organization can go to the Center for Global Inclusion's website, and Center is spelled C-E-N-T-R-E because they're in Canada, but anyone can go to their website, download the free Global Diversity and Inclusion Benchmark Standards Assessment and see if they meet benchmark standards 
when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And Stanton Adams Consulting, when we consult with people, we take them through the GDIB to help them because the GDIB tells you where you are and it can show you where you want to go and how to get there. And, you know, I'm going to leave it at that for this segment because I got to go to commercial again. But when we come back, I want to talk about Stanton Adams Diversity Institute, looking at the uh, global diversity and inclusion and, and just where we're going. What does this look like? Okay. And what can we look at for next year? All right. Awesome. So stay yep. with us. We're going to have a great conversation. Um, and again, looking at the Diversity Institute and how we can partner in the year ahead. Giving in 2020 is an opportunity to think outside the gift box. Art to Change the World has creations by over 20 artists, including handmade masks, paintings, functional art, sculpture, books, and experiential classes. Check out SWAP, our Stand with Artists project for gifts that have soul. Make gift-giving relational, not transactional. Check out SWAP at arttochangetheworld.org. That's arttochangetheworld.org. 2020 has been stressful with the pandemic, economy, and even politics. Hi, this is Michelle Kitzmiller of Spirit of Living, and I'd like to show you some ways to lower your stress and boost immunity. One way is herbal medicine, which has many benefits you might not even know about, like helping with viral, bacterial, respiratory, digestive, and many other issues. Book a telemed session today at Spirit of Living to learn more about the many long-term benefits of herbal medicine. Call 651-245-6788 or visit spiritoflivingdr.com. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources. Thanks to all who've become members of AM950. You've helped ensure AM950 will stay on the air through 2021. It's simple to become a member. Go to am950radio.com, click on the membership button, and sign up. Through the holidays, become a new member with either a $25 one-time donation or a $10 recurring donation, and AM950 will read a special message from you on the air this holiday season. If you make a $50 one-time donation or a $25 recurring donation, you'll get a copy of the first ever AM950 calendar. Head over to am950radio.com for more information, and thank you very much for your support. Inspired by true stories, Louis DeSanto, a former keeper at St. Paul's Como Zoo, has authored two digital books aimed at children ages three through eight. Look Who's Walking Through the Zoo tells the story of Casey the Gorilla escaping his exhibit and mischievously sneaking around the zoo. And Gustav the Great celebrates the heartwarming story of the bond between a big, friendly brown bear and a zookeeper named Louie. Both these charming stories take readers on a magical adventure that is sure to bring smiles and laughter. These imaginative stories are brought to life by charming illustrations of Cheryl Walker, a longtime zoo docent. For animal lovers as well as Moms, dads, grandmas, and grandpas who want to bring some digital smiles to the children they love, consider giving these treasures as gifts for the holidays. Go to Amazon or Apple Books and search for Look Who's Walking Around the Zoo and Gustav the Great. And it's a gift that keeps on giving. Donations are provided to the Como Zoo through book sales. Connections Radio Show. 
I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and my co-host and friend and colleague is Melissa Adams, the executive director of the Diversity Institute. Melissa, we only have like a couple minutes because we ran long on all the other segments. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I could talk to you all day. I know. We have such good fun. I want to make sure that folks know how to get to the website. It's thediversityinstitute.org. Um, I'm very grateful that we have another show that we're going to be doing next week because we've got so much more to talk about. But if you have just a minute or so to just give some closing ideas about why you think um, certification is so important and and what we can expect in the years to come with the Diversity Institute in creating that program. Yes, I think certification is important because today we need to hold people accountable. It's really challenging for all of us to understand sometimes how people think and why they um, might or might not, you know, be proponents of anti-racism or for diversity. I think what we can think about is taking that next step means creating competencies in order to increase our ability and increase our capacity for difference. Each of us has a certain level of capacity for difference. And when you start to increase that capacity for difference, we are starting towards a better world. Uh, The Stanton Adams and the Diversity Institute are uh, really excited about not just creating certification and creating the standards, but we are also going to be rolling out a membership platform where people who become members at different levels will be able to take part in different trainings, different classes, get um, access to different events. They get access to Lori Fitz's classes <laughs> and other folks' classes that are going to be a part of the Institute. There'll be some big names teaching at the Institute over the next few years. And part of our goal is to bring in some of the top speakers, top thinkers, and thought leaders around diversity, equity, inclusion, race, gender, and all of the topics that make us cringe. <laughs> well, you know, Melissa, I am grateful for our friendship. I'm grateful that you'll be a part of Connections and um, the year ahead and how Connections can be a partner with the Diversity Institute. It's really exciting. And um, I feel blessed to be a part of it and excited about the work that you're doing. You're the best, Melissa. You and Cecilia Thank do wonderful you, work. Thank you, and you too. You are the best. Have a great one, okay? (laughs) You too, and and everyone else as well. Stay with us next week. We're going to have another great conversation uh, with Melissa and a guest in terms of looking at diversity and inclusion. Stay with us. Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and my co-host and friend and colleague is Melissa Adams, the executive director of the Diversity Institute. Melissa, we only have like a couple minutes because we ran long on all the other segments. <laughs> so... Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I could talk to you all day. I know. We have such good fun. I want to make sure that folks know how to get to the website. It's thediversityinstitute.org. Um, I'm very grateful that we have another show that we're going to be doing next week because we've got so much more to talk about. But if you have just a minute or so to just give some closing ideas about why you think um, certification is so important and and what we can expect in the years to come with the Diversity Institute in creating that program. Yes, I think certification is important because today we need to hold people accountable. It's really challenging for all of us to understand sometimes how people think and why they um, might or might not, you know, be proponents of anti-racism or for diversity. 
I think what we can think about is taking that next step means creating competencies in order to increase our ability and increase our capacity for difference. Each of us has a certain level of capacity for difference. And when you start to increase that capacity for difference, we are starting towards a better world. Uh, the Stanton Adams and the Diversity Institute are uh, really excited about not just creating certification and creating the standards, but we are also going to be rolling out a membership platform where people who become members at different levels will be able to take part in different trainings, different classes, get um, access to different events. They get access to Lori Fitz's classes <laughs> and other folks' classes that are going to be a part of the Institute. There'll be some big names teaching at the Institute over the next few years. And part of our goal is to bring in some of the top speakers, top thinkers, and thought leaders around diversity, equity, inclusion, race, gender, and all of the topics that make us cringe. <laughs> well, you know, Melissa, I am grateful for our friendship. I'm grateful that you'll be a part of Connections and um, the year ahead and how Connections can be a partner with the Diversity Institute. It's really exciting. And um, I feel blessed to be a part of it and excited about the work that you're doing. You're the best, Melissa. You and Cecilia Thank do wonderful you, work. Thank you, and you too. You are the best. Have a great one, okay? <laughs> you too, and, have, and everyone else as well. And stay with us next week. We're going to have another great conversation uh, with Melissa and a guest in terms of looking at diversity and inclusion. Stay with us.